Isn't it crazy when God throws you a curveball? Yeah, when something doesn't happen just the way you thought it was going to happen, you're like, what? And uh, that's happened a lot in life. I don't know if that's happened to you, but it's happened to me quite a bit. And we're going to see that in Acts 27 as well. So flip over your Bible to Acts 27. And uh, I'm just so, I mean, it was great to have the week off last week from preaching. It's just a kind of a mental break. It's a spiritual break as far as the spiritual weight uh, that you carry every week. And I'm so glad that Brent carried that. And well, last week, if you were here, did anybody have to rip Philemon out of their Bible? I'm not sure you want to raise your hand if you did. Um, you did? Okay, great. Um, <laughs> hey, honesty in church, man. Like, I mean, seriously, when he said that, I was like, oh, yeah. Like, this is the truth of God's word. Either I believe it or I don't, right? And uh, God's promises are true, are real, are clear. But sometimes we don't want to believe it, Right? And uh, you're going to see that in the passage again, and I'm so grateful for the message on forgiveness last week, and I hope that you're growing in that and being able to uh, make amends and everything that goes along with that. Um, How many of you guys have taken a trip lately? Anybody? Yeah, you got some planned this uh, summer? And we're going to take some trips this summer. It'd be good. Uh, We actually bought a new house, and so we're on the staycation plan. So not a lot. We're going to a wedding this summer. That's it. All right? But uh, but so, yeah, I I relate. A trip. But, uh, you know, for today's purpose, let's just call it a journey or rather a voyage, right? You kind of go on this voyage, this trip, this journey, and uh, what's going to happen? And, and you know, this trip becomes longer and longer. You ever had that vacation like that? Where kids are like, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? And you're like, no, we're not there yet. It's going to be another 20 hours. You know what I mean? Like, you haven't had that one? You all don't have kids. All right, I'm speaking to a bunch of millennials. You are the person doing that on social media. You are that person. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? We're there yet? I just said that on Facebook. There it was. Anyway, you could be my kids today. I, I just, you know... We meet Paul again. We pick it up, right? We've been kind of herky-jerky. We're there in Acts. We're back. You know, we got one more message. This is chapter 27 on Father's Day, okay? Chapter 28. You want to be here for that. We're going to wrap up a whole year. We made it. Almost. One more week, right? We made it through Acts. And what a feat, 28 chapters. But you pick it up here. Paul's been two years, two years in Caesarea, in prison. After God promised he was going to Rome, right? Two years. How many times have you had to wait for the promises of God? How many times have you had to sit in the storm of life again and again and hope, hope that God would just come through, right? Is he going to do it? Is he not? I don't know. And then the journey gets longer, right? It just gets longer. So that's what we're going to see today. It's about to get longer. Now he's going to Rome. He's on the boat. And uh, how much time will it take? And can we take this any longer? I don't know if I can take it any longer, right? I mean, Paul has to be thinking all of these things, and I'm sure you can relate. Anybody have a storm in life? Anybody been through something? Life storms? (laughs) Yeah, you relate? I'm going to preach on holding on to the promises of God, but I realize that some of you guys want to drop that thing. Because you're like, it's too hard. The storm's too heavy. You know, I can't make it. I just want to drown. <laughs> and I'm hoping to encourage you today again. 
See, I read it on the connect registers. Um, I'm just going to pick one of these up because we didn't say a lot about this today, but this is really important. Uh, this is called the connect register. And uh, it is really, 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 really important. And so we want everybody to fill this out. So it's on the end of the aisle down there. You got to pick it up. You got to pass it down. You can do it while I'm preaching. It's okay, right? And uh, we want you to fill it out. Um, I'm so blessed that when you fill it out, I'm seeing like, hey, I want a relationship with Jesus Christ. What is that? I want to be baptized. I want to I get in a small group. I read these and I'm just like, this is so cool. Now, I want to tell you something. Like, it's great to write it down here, but at the end of the service, we're going to have people down front to pray for you and get you plugged in. There's step one, there's step two. There's all these things. There's all the, you don't have to just check it off here. If you check it off here, we're going to send you emails, and then you're going to you know, respond and all that. But, but you don't have to just wait for this. You can go get plugged in, right? That's a good step. And then the prayer, I'm telling you, when I see people write their prayer out, it's transparent, it's vulnerable, it's hard. I'm like, wow, wow, it's hard. Life is hard. Can you say that? Go ahead, tell your neighbor, life is hard. That is true. That is a true story. I feel like storms, like, follow me in life. You ever feel like that? Who is that guy on, uh, like, Charlie Brown? Is that Linus? Yeah, yeah, he's got, like, this cloud. It just follows him. I'm like, come on! Could it just be sunny? One day, life storms. How do I keep from sinking and drowning and going under and giving up? I want you to grab hold of your Bible. I want you to grab it tight. I want you to feel it. Right here. This is it. This is all I can offer you. I have nothing else for you. I don't know if I've ever told this to you, but the high end, the main goal, the highest good of preaching is that you will go home and read this, right? I can give you just a little bit of food on Sunday, but you can feed yourself every day. It's funny because when we think about complete surrender, we think about giving up stuff, right? Think about just stripping stuff away. I got to get rid of that sin and this sin. I want to be more devoted to God. But today we're talking about not giving something up. We're talking about gripping something tight, holding on to the promises of God, okay? You guys got that? So as you have it in your hand, let me pray that God will seal this on our heart. Hold it tight. Father, thank you for your word. Your word is true. It is a lamp to our feet. It is a light for our path. It is everything we need to do life and to be godly. I'm thankful, God, that your word was found and I ate it. And it became to me a light, a desire, a joy. Because I'm called by your name. And I pray for those who are called by your name that they would feel that same encouragement by holding it. I pray for those who are not called by your name yet that this would be drawing them closer to an eternal relationship with you. Thank you for your word that shows us your love, that shows us your son, and that gives us confidence, encouragement, and strength to face the storms of life. I pray this, and I know it's so, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, Acts chapter 27, I have to hustle now. God's word gives me, and there's going to be three things that it gives me, and they're really encouraging, okay? 
And there's some boneheaded stuff in the passage. There always is. It's like a soap opera. I don't know if that's a good thing or bad thing, but like it's like a good sitcom. I don't know. Like, I don't, why am I even comparing it to TV? It's so much better than all of that. I just repent now. Um, I thought that might relate, but I know we're too godly of a church for that. Chapter 27. And when it was decided that we should sail for Italy, they're sailing from Caesarea, they delivered Paul and the other prisoners to the centurion of the Augustan cohort named Julius. And embarking on a ship of of uh, Adramidium, thank you, which was about to sail to the ports along the coast of Asia, we put to sea, accompanied by Aristarchus. This guy is crazy. He's, he's a, an amazing part of Paul's life, and he has now become a slave of Paul's so that he can travel with him. A Macedonian from Thessalonica. And the next day, we, uh, I just want to stop on that we. Uh, I have it circled all in my Bible. He says we a bunch of times there, over ten. And we means Luke's writing this firsthand, so Luke's there too. We put in at Sidon, and Julius treated Paul kindly and gave him leave to go to his friends and be cared for. This is kind of astounding, and I'm not going to preach on this today, but it's just a little aside. It's so amazing that Paul is trustworthy. Paul's trustworthy. Julius, in such a short time, on a 70-mile voyage, okay, from Caesarea to Sidon, uh, knows maybe it's his reputation from Festus and Felix and Claudius Lysias that, that Julius is like, man, I can trust this guy. He, he can go. He'll come back, right? It's astounding. Paul's a, a rare dude and uh, pretty cool. And putting out to sea from there, we sailed under the lee of Cyprus because the winds were against us. And when we had sailed across the open sea along the coast of Sicilia and Pamphylia, we came to Myra and Lycia. And you, you start to, I'm reading all this and you're like, ah, oh, my brain's like spaghetti. All right, let me show it to you up here. All right, let me show it to you. Give me the map. All right, all right, so they're leaving from Caesarea. Let's get the next map. They're going to Sidon, get to the next net. So they go up around Cyprus, right? You're like, well, why don't they just go under? It'd be a lot closer because they're having a hard time. The winds from the west are making it so they can't go, so they go up and around, okay? So the whole thing is about the journey's hard, okay? And so they go to Myra, and then Sinaitis, well, I didn't say that yet, and then Fair Havens, and they go all the way to Malta. Uh, I'm going to leave this up for you. Go ahead, one more. I'm going to leave that up for you while I'm reading. So if I say anything and you're like, where's Adramidium? You're like, oh, it's right up there. That's a ship. It's going to go up and around, okay? But they're getting off at Myra, uh, and there's a ship from Alexandria. It's down there. So all of these phrases, you're like, oh, oh, that's a lot. Yeah, my brain's like spaghetti. But I'll just leave it up there. If you're getting confused, you can just go look at the word, and it's right there. Okay? You good? All right. That's helpful. There's a uh, There the centurion found a ship of Alexandria. That's down in Egypt, second largest uh, city after Rome, sailing for Italy. And it's uh, funny that it's in Myra. <laughs> um it shouldn't be. They must have had a hard time too. And they put us on board. We sailed slowly for a number of days and arrived with difficulty. I just underlined that in my Bible. Against us, with difficulty, off Snidus. And as the wind did not allow us 
to go further, we sailed under the lee of Crete. So they're like, we can't get straight across, so we're going to go under Crete, off Salmoni, coasting along it with difficulty, underline that again, with difficulty, we came to a place called Fair Havens, near which was a city of Lycia. Now here's what you need to know. From mid-September to mid-November, people didn't travel unless they had to. After mid-November, they didn't travel even if they had to. Okay? Does that make sense? The sea is a treacherous place. And you don't just travel it whenever you want. There was times and seasons. And these guys are on the late end of things. So let me give you some details here. You've already got the map. Here's a couple other details. Who's the main characters? Paul, Julius, Aristarchus, who you hear a lot about in the Bible. A lot of these guys around uh, uh, Paul, you don't really hear much about them. They're not repeated more than once. But he's repeated in the Bible uh, four or five times, and he's there at the end when Paul you know, is in prison in Rome. He stays with him for a long time, like seven to ten years. He sticks with him. And Luke does the same thing. These guys are the main players in the story. All right, and you have this. Uh, since much time had passed, it was with difficulty. So there's some details. The next word I would just say, write down details, but then write down difficulty. It's hard sometimes. Can I get an amen? I mean, it's a lot of difficulty. It seems like, you know, God called me to do this. God called me to, you know, do something like go home or work or whatever. God called me to do this, but it's not like he made it easy. <laughs> it's hard, right? And uh, when God calls you to do something, it's not like he's like, here's the red carpet, here's the streets of gold, that's for later, okay? Like, he, it still might be hard. Satan hates God. Do you understand that? Satan runs the world. You're like, what? Yeah, I mean, he has to ask God for permission, but he's in control. Do you get that? We're on his planet. He's the prince of the power of the air. He's the person that's trying to make this place hell. And sometimes does. You understand me? Is it clear? Like that wasn't encouraging. I know. But it's good. It's good to know that so that we can be encouraged by the Bible. All right? And by the fact that God has to allow the circumstance and God is the strength to get you through the circumstance. As a matter of fact, the circumstance is what's drawing you nearer to God, making you more dependent on him in the whole process. So Satan's chuckling like he has you, and God's going, this is going to make them stronger. This is, this is bringing them closer. They're depending more on me. And this is what it's all about. Hard to hear if you're going through the struggle, I know. Pick it up in verse 9. Since much time had passed and the voyage was now dangerous because even the fast was already over. The fast was the Day of Atonement. It happened late uh, September, uh, early to mid-October. So we're, uh, th that was already done. So we're in late October, early November already. Paul advised them, saying, Sirs, I perceive that the voyage will be with injury and much loss, and not only of the cargo and the ship, but also of our lives. So just picture this. This is astounding. They called together a council, a ship's council. Should we leave? Should we stay? Should we leave? Should we stay? Who's in the ship's council? Paul, 
Julius, who's in control, he runs the ship, okay? You're like, how's he running the ship? He just, because it was a, a grain ship, Rome had control of it, so he was the highest ranking official. Okay, then you had the owner of the ship. He's pretty important, eh? And then you have the captain of the ship. Like, he's like, how did Paul get in this crew? <laughs> right? You're like, he's a prisoner. What's he doing here? That's the favor of God. And that's also the experience of Paul. Like, here's another thing, right? Again, this is for a different message on leadership. You can preach leadership from this passage too. Paul's a great leader. He's trustworthy and he's wise. Wisdom is knowledge experienced. Paul has, the Bible tells us in Corinthians, Paul has been shipwrecked three times before this. He's like, dude, I know how this goes. Don't do it. Don't hurt yourself. Parents, you ever done that with your kids? Please don't do that. That's not going to feel, oh, ouch, it's going to hurt, you know? So Paul, he says what he has to say. He's like, hey, here's my wise counsel. But the centurion, verse 11, paid more attention to the uh, pilot and the owner of the ship than to what Paul said. I mean, he paid attention to what Paul said, but more attention to the other guys. So that's astounding. And because the harbor that they were at was not suitable to spend the winter. So it's not suitable. It's like this isn't the best place for us to like camp out. Right, but what's worse? Leaving when we shouldn't, right? So they're kind of like, yeah, it's not the best place. I'd like to be in a little nicer house. Maybe we should move. I don't know. Don't hurt yourself. Uh, to spend the winter in, the majority decided, and this is why we don't vote in church, the majority decided to put out to sea from there. That was a bad decision. You're going to see it. On the chance, I mean, it's like playing the lotto. They're like, why would you do that? Like, this is like, maybe, just maybe I'll be that like statistic, maybe, and we'll get lucky and, and we'll actually make it to Phoenix. So they didn't even think they had a good shot. Why leave? That's crazy. On the chance that somehow there would, they could reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete, facing both southwest and northwest and spend the winter there. So it was just so they could be a little comfortable, more comfortable, so the ship could be a little more protected. We're going to take this 25-mile journey around the coast. Do you see it? They're just going to go from there to there. That's it. Just there. And it'll be a little more protected. It'll be great. You're an idiot. I, that's all I could think. Like, when I'm reading this, I'm going, dude, these guys are thick. <laughs> You're on dry land. This is a good thing, Right? Sometimes trials and storms come because we do kind of dumb things, okay? I mean, can we admit that? There's other times when it's not because of that, okay? I'm not going to say it's all because of that. There's other times it's just like, man, boo, that was a curveball. But sometimes I did something stupid, and I've just got to face the music, right? Now, when the south wind blew gently, it's like, I think I feel a breeze. It's going south. Let's go, okay? Supposing that they had obtained their purpose, they weighed anchor and sailed along Crete, close to the shore. They're like, we don't want to go far. We could jump ship and get to shore. But soon, a tempestuous, when's the last time you used that word? Anybody use that word? Tempestuous. Go ahead and say it. It's kind of fun. I just don't, I've never said that word before I read this, I don't think. Tempestuous wind called the Northeaster struck down from the land, and when the ship was caught and could not face the wind, we gave way to it. It's like, oh, don't do it. And we're driven along, 
running under the lee of a small island called Kata. We managed with difficulty, there it is again a third time, to secure the ship's boat. There's a boat behind it. It was probably underwater now because of the storm. And now they got behind this. The way it worked is like the lee of, is like you're blocked from the wind a little bit by the, the actual island. And so they were under that and they're like, oh, reprieve, pull the boat out, get it out from underwater, put it on the ship. And then they sent a guy, I, I don't know how they do this. I didn't read up on it, but I'm assuming, I'm just picturing this. They like sent a guy to dive down and get a rope under there, or somehow swung a rope under there and, and tied the boat tight so it wouldn't fall apart. I'm like, this is not going well. I don't want to be on this boat right now. Y'all feel like that in life sometimes? I don't want to be on this boat right now. I feel like we're holding this together with duct tape. That's what's happening. Running under the lee of Crete, they went to uh, island Kakata, and they managed with difficulty to secure the ship's boat. After hoisting it up, they used supports to undergird the ship. Then fearing that they would run aground on the Sardis, that's uh, interesting too, Um, the Sardis was like a graveyard for boats. It was on the northern side of Africa. So you see the hump there? On the northern side of that, there's a bunch of like uh, sandbars and boats would run into it all the time and then they'd just be like stuck and people would die. And like they're, they're scared of that. They're, they're from Alexandria. They know about it. So they, they're scared of that. So they lowered the gear and thus they were driven along since they were violently storm-tossed. You add that to tempestuous and we got, I mean, I don't really think you can get it, right? You're going to get it soon. Okay. But when the next day uh, came, they jettisoned the cargo. So they started throwing stuff overboard to make it lighter. And on the third day, they threw over the ship's tackle overboard. You're like, what was that? I I don't know, but it was really heavy. Something they shouldn't be carrying on their own. Something maybe some kind of pulley had to pull off of the ship because it says with their own hands. And it makes a big deal of that. We did this with our bare hands. We would never do that, but we had to. We were in the middle of nowhere. This is the main point, verse 20. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days. How many, Paul? We're going to see in a few minutes. And no small tempest lay on us. It was heavy. All hope of being saved was at last abandoned. All hope of being saved was at last abandoned. That is a phrase you don't want to hear. And you don't want to live. Right? Like, I'm giving up. It's all done. It's not going to work. I mean, we've gone from the details of the story to difficulty to now disaster, right? Disaster is when something gets named, right? When a storm gets named, it's not a good thing. Think of Katrina. Huh? Ike, Sandy, Irene, like all of these storms. Why do we know those names? Because it killed many people, right? This is the Northeaster. It wasn't a one-time name. It was like a storm known to take people, right? It's back again. It's back again. Well, let's take it to life. It's the Bible. It's what happened, right? That's the story of Acts. Just what happened. Let's take it to life. The storms in our life. Do they have names? Cancer? Infertility? Sin? I mean, I'm not using those together. But just sin is like a real storm in my life sometimes. 
You have some storms? You want to give up? Here's the point. I hold on to God's word. God's word gives me confidence. It gives me confidence so that I won't be crushed. You know, in Galatians, it talks about this load. It talks about a cargo load, a little backpack load that you should carry because you can. And then it talks about a crushing load where you need some people to get up under that with you. And here, these guys are crushed. These guys are like, this is the end. We're not going to make it. I mean, can you imagine Paul getting to the end of it and going, I think we're done. I mean, he even says it in his advice. I think, I think all our lives are going to be lost if we go out there. This is the guy that in chapter 23 was told by God, you're going to Rome. And even he is like, oh, I don't know. We might not make it. Where's Paul going to draw his confidence from? Where's Paul going to press down into, right? He has to be thinking back to chapter 23. He has to be thinking back to that and saying, just, just I'll flip back and read it for you. The following night, the Lord stood by him and said, Take courage, for as you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, you must testify also in Rome. How many times has Paul quoted that to himself? How many times has said, Jesus stood right here beside me, tenderly spoken to my life. Take courage, Paul. You're going to Rome. You did a good job in Jerusalem. You're going to do a good job in Rome. How many times did Paul think back to that moment? How many times do I have to go back to the calling to plant a church? when I was 16, to be in Rochester. How many times do I have to go back to that and hold on to that when it goes hard? You have something like that? You have a passage of Scripture? You have a verse? Something you're reading in the Word? Uh, we've been encouraging you to read the Word. I want to use that as an application point. Um, this is the 10-year vision. We want you to read the New Testament every year. You're like, oh, it's so daunting. Just try this year. It's not daunting, 10 years. I mean, just, just try this year. And uh, if you just started reading the New Testament, you could read a chapter a day and have it done by the end of the year. These are on the table out there in the lobby, okay, the walk table. Just pick one of these up, start checking it off. I'm, I'm, I'm almost done. I got some Gospels left and Romans, and I'm working through those. I mean, you could do it in a few months, probably, if you read a chapter a day. And then this is the Old Testament. We want you to read the Old Testament three times, or three times three times in 10 years, uh, every three years, right? So we've split up the Old Testament. This is the first, then there'll be a second, then there'll be a third, and you'll get through the whole Old Testament in three years. This is the first year of that. Again, if you read a chapter a day, you'll get through it. So you're like, man, you're just asking for more. No, 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 <laughs> no, 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 no. This isn't a thing to do. This is the place to be. You sit in that, you hide under the cleft of the rock. You sit in the scriptures, and it is the confidence to go on again and again. I'm just thinking of my own experience. Psalm 27. Go ahead and read that this week. Psalm 27. Verse 13 and 14 say, um, I believe that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart. Let your heart take courage. 
wait for the Lord. I'm just telling you, again and again, I've gone back to that verse. On the building, I'm back at that verse. On my back, I'm back at that verse. In the storms of life, I'm back on that verse. I believe that in this lifetime, God's going to do what he promised. That's it. His promises are true. Great is his faithfulness. I'm on that plant. I want to encourage you to read the scriptures so that you'll have some verses, but maybe you have some verses. What place do you find confidence in? Maybe just write down a verse or two that you've been memorizing or maybe that you have on the tip of your tongue already. Just think about it. Maybe here's a good one to write down. If you don't have one, I'll preload you, okay? Philippians 1, 6, write that down. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Is that truth or what? That's a promise. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever, right? Just think about these verses. Those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Isaiah 40, 31, my life verse. There's so many encouraging promises that we need to hold on to when the storms are raging so that we can have confidence and not be crushed, right? So we don't give up, but we keep on. Let's move on. Verse 21, it gets good here. The second point is encouragement so that I won't be afraid. He gives me confidence so that I won't be crushed, and he gives me encouragement so that I won't be afraid. You can smell the fear in their lives, right? You can just smell it. It's like, oh man, they are so scared right now. All right, look at it, verse 21. Since they had been without food for a long time, you're like, how long, how long? (laughs) He's gonna get to it, it's 14 days, right? Since they had been without food for a long time, Paul stood up among them and said, can you imagine a prisoner on the ship standing up and saying this? Just, just, I'm going to read it for you. You imagine it. Men, you should have listened to me and not set sail for Crete and incurred this injury and loss. That must have stung. <laughs> Told you so. All right. Yet now I urge you right? I don't think he's saying that to say, nah, 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 you know, I think he's saying that to say, dude, I was wise then. And I'm going to tell you some wisdom again. Listen close. You don't want to feel the pain again, right? I think that's a good thing. Church, are you listening? I encourage you to take heart for there will be no loss of the life among you, not, but only the ship will be gone, right? For this very night, he's like, how do you know that, Paul? How do you know that? This very night, there stood before me an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I worship. Imagine standing up in front of 275 people who don't know the Lord. Well, two of them did, right? Aristarchus and Luke. And you're like, I belong to God and I worship God. And he sent an angel and he stood by me and he said, this is what's going to happen. Like, that's nuts. Try going to mail and doing that. That's nuts. But I'm here to say to you that God is okay with you doing that. 
His promises are true. You can go to work at Mayo or any other place in town and you go, this is the word of God. I belong to this God and I worship this God and this God says this. And I believe it. And I'm going to live by it. And I think you should too. The boldness. But not just boldness, encouraging, right? He's not saying it to rebuke them. He's saying it to encourage them. And he said, do not be afraid. Here's what the angel said to Paul. Do not be afraid, Paul. What does that mean? Paul was afraid. (laughs) You don't tell somebody not to be afraid that isn't afraid already. And an angel knows because he's a messenger from God. So Paul's afraid. You must stand before Caesar. I told you before and I'm telling you again. And behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. Because you, God, are, are, because you Paul, are going to make it to Rome, so are all these people. They're with you. Can you imagine that being true of you? Can you imagine the floor you work on at Mayo Nurses being blessed because God's blessing you? Huh? I can imagine that. Can you imagine the church you belong to being blessed because God's blessing you? I pray that would be so of all of us and of more of us and more of us so that we would see bigger and bigger blessing. Verse 25 is maybe the most important verse in the whole passage. Matter of fact, I have it written down on a card and I'm going to tell you about it in a second. It says this, So take heart, men, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have been told. But we must run aground on a shore on some island. I just got to say this quick. You need to know kind of the history on this. Why we're here, why we're where we're at. It's so encouraging to me and I hope it'll be encouraging to you. Three years ago, every, every summer, do you guys know this? Every summer I go away for about a week and I, it takes longer than that, but I, I set a week aside to study the word of God, to hear from God, what's next for our church, what's, I put together a preaching calendar, one-year preaching calendar, this is what we're going to go through, this is what I think our church needs, I ask the elders, the staff, I ask anybody I can, like, what do you think our church needs? I get with God, and God tells us, me, this is what we need, right? And then we go after it, and that's why we're in Acts this year. But it's bigger than that. Three years ago, I went away. Remember, I, at, how many of you guys came in the last three years? All right, so this is news to you. But, but if you were here three years ago, three years ago I said, hey, pray for me. I'm going to go away this summer, and I think we're going to study Ephesians next year, right? And so pray for me. I want to get you know, Ephesians all detailed out. And I came back, and I was like, eh, just kidding. <laughs> Ephesians 2.20 kind of stopped me, and we came up with this theme called Built Strong. You seen this before? Anybody seen that? Built Strong? I have a bunch of T-shirts with that, all different colors, Right? And uh, built strong. Well, here, here's the verse, Ephesians 2.20. Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. And so God, I kept reading that, reading that, reading Ephesians, and I get stuck at verse 20 every time. I was like, what are you doing in verse 20, God? Seems pretty simple. He would not let me go. And so by the end of the week, right, it was like, This is what God wants. God wants us to be built strong as a church. We're coming to the end of that church three years. And I'm looking back and I'm going, are we built stronger? Are we strong? 
Do we do what God said? And I think we are. But I pray more, right? I want to be strong for the Lord. Nobody knows what's around the corner. What storm lies ahead? What trouble or blessing will come? And they might be the same, trouble and blessing. We set out on this journey three years ago. The first year was a theme on the Old Testament. It was an Old Testament overview built on the prophets, okay? And then the second year was in the Gospels. We did a whole review of Jesus Christ, the cornerstone. And then this year, we found ourselves in Acts. You know how we found ourselves in Acts? Here's another encouraging story. God's going before us. I was in a hotel room. Last summer, Chris was going to classes for counseling, and he got his master's in counseling. And, and so I was in a hotel room, he and I staying together, and I'm like, God, you've got to give it to me. Am I spo- it's going to be about the apostles, I know that much. But am I going to preach Acts or the epistles, Acts or the epistles, Acts or the epistles? Well, I thought it was Acts. God said Acts three years ago. And so I was just like kind of confused on it. It was kind of, kind of uh, I don't know if it's Acts. And so I kept reading Acts, and I got through, right? That's a long book to read. Can, can I get an amen? I mean, like, that's a long, like, it took you all the way to chapter 27, verse 25? That's right. And I wrote it down on this card because that's where God met me last summer. And I'm praying he meets me again this summer and tells me what's next because I have no idea, right? That's where God met me. He met me with this verse written on this card. So take heart, men, for I have faith in God. Take heart, women, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I've been told. You know what? God told me three years ago you're supposed to preach Acts. So I was like, done. It might be easier to preach an epistle. It might be fun. It might be whatever. It doesn't matter. God said preach Acts. Preach Acts. Has that been good? (laughs) I've grown a ton. How about you? It's been fun. And we're almost done. But it's not going away. It's sealed on my heart. I've been encouraged every week through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the power of the gospel. You know, I've been encouraged every week by the power of making disciples, by the power now of complete surrender. I've been encouraged every week. And these things are encouragement so that we might not be afraid for the journey. Whatever lies ahead of us. I don't know why God wants us to be built strong in three years. I'm kind of getting nervous right now. Okay, God, you said be built strong for what? (laughs) But if God promised, then he'll fulfill it. Whatever it is, God will do it. Let's keep going in our text. I got to read it quickly here now. For when the 14th night had come, so they were out food for 14 nights, as we were being driven across the Adriatic Sea, I could say so much about that, but I'm going to keep moving. About midnight, the sailors suspected that they were uh, nearing the land. They could hear it crashing on the waves, right, the, on the rocks. So they took a sounding and found 20 fathoms. That's 120 feet. And uh, I could tell you how they did that, but for sake of time, I'm going to keep going. And... Uh, A little further on, they took a sounding again, and they found 15 fathoms. That's 90 feet, fathoms 6 feet by the arms, okay? And fearing that they might run aground on the rocks, they let down four anchors, that's a lot of anchors, from the stern and prayed for day to come. It's interesting that they would be praying, uh, wishing for God to do something for them. And as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship and lowered the ship's boat, into the sea under the pretense of laying out anchors from the bow, 
It's like we already laid four anchors back there, but we're going to lay out some more up front. You guys go with that? Okay, we're going to need the ship's dinghy uh, to, to do that. So we're going to put this back in the water now that it's calm. And Paul's like, dude, don't believe it. Like, they are getting off the ship. Now, just listen. It's pretty bad when the sailors are getting off the ship. Is that bad? And sometimes it's like that in the storms of life, isn't it? When people are walking away from you, they don't want to be around you because it's so hard for you right now. I pray not our church. I pray that we'll just link arms with you and that when it's hard, we'll be there more. You know? That's what small group's for. If you're not in one, you need to get in one. Like, that's when the going gets tough, the tough get going. Like, that's when we link arms and we're like, okay, we're going to face this together. You need this. Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay on the ship, you cannot be saved. The reason is we need them to sail the ship. Then the soldiers cut away the ropes of the ship's boat and let it go. I mean, that's like, we don't need this. Boom. I mean, that's this is this crazy. You just cut away your escape boat? You are nuts. And the day was about to dawn. Paul urged them to take some food, saying, Today is the 14th day that you have continued in suspense and without food, having taken nothing. Therefore, I urge you, this is strong language again, I urge you to take some food, for it will give you strength. That's the third point. God's word gives me confidence. God's word gives me encouragement. But God's word gives me strength. God's word gives me strength so I won't be stuck. You're going to see it here in a second. For not a hair is to perish from the head of any of you. And when he said these things, he took bread. How did he have bread? Like, just, just got to fill in the blanks. You got to think when you, like, bread that made it 14 days, it didn't get wet? No, how did he have bread? Finally, the ship's not going like this, and they could take some of the grain and some of the oil, and they could bake some bread. So he actually did something, right? He did something with his hands. He made something happen. He made bread. And he broke it. And that was encouraging to them because they hadn't eaten in 14 days. Would it be encouraging to you if I said, hey, here's a meal? And you hadn't eaten in 14 days? That'd be pretty encouraging. He took bread and giving thanks to God in the presence of all, he broke it and began to eat. Now, I just want to admonish you right here, warn you, uh, encourage you to say, you know, when you go out to eat, I don't always pray before I eat. I just know if you know that or not. Sometimes I pray during the meal. Sometimes I pray after, right? I don't think it's like a, you have to pray before you eat, but you do need to remember the Lord's body and blood before you eat. Please, please. That is true in the scriptures, okay? But when you're out in public, what a great opportunity, not to be hypocritical, but to pray out loud and to say, thank you, God. Thank you for the blood and body of Jesus Christ. Thank you for giving us this food. Thank you for blessing us. Thank you for nourishing us, not just physically, but spiritually too, with the word of God, right? What a great opportunity. And Paul takes that opportunity in front of all of them. I want to encourage you to do that. Conversations can come from that. People's hearts will be touched by that. Then they were all encouraged and ate some food for themselves. Now, just that verse is very important. Were they encouraged before they ate or after they ate? What does it say? They were all encouraged and then they ate. So what encouraged them? The food? No. Guys, I'm here to tell you today. 
physical food will not satisfy. It was the spiritual food that Paul was feeding them. It was the prayer over their life. It was the encouragement of him doing some, providing something for them. Hey guys, I made you some bread. And not only that, I'm praying spiritual things over you. That's what encouraged them. They had a leader that was standing up and going after it. And then they ate. We were in all 276 persons on the ship. And when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship. This is the fourth time they've thrown something over. They threw all the wheat into the sea. It's like, we are done. (laughs) We're never going to take this to Rome. So just get it out of here. Now when it was day, they did not recognize the land But they noticed a bay with a beach on which they planned, if possible, to run the ship ashore. So it's like, hey, we've been out of control for 14 days, but now we see a glimmer of light. What are we going to do? We're going to take control. Here's the plan. Here's what we're going to do. And God says, okay. Uh, So they cast off the anchors and they left them in the sea. They're not planning to come back. They're not planning to use the ship anymore. At the same time, loosening the ropes and they tied the uh, ropes tied the rudders, then hoisting the foresail, so they put up the sail to the wind. They made for the beach. Good plan. Let's go. But, but, God has a different plan. Didn't he say the ship would be lost? He did. But striking a reef, they ran the vessel aground, and the bow stuck and remained immovable, and the stern was being broken up by the surf, And the soldier's plan was to kill the prisoners lest they should swim away and escape. What you need to know is that if a soldier lost a prisoner, the soldier got the prisoner's punishment. So if one of those guys swam away, now I'm going to Rome and I'm going to die. All of those prisoners were probably going to Rome to be executed or to be gladiators, which means to be executed just for fun. And Paul was the only one that still had a trial on hand, right? But the centurion wishing to save Paul. Do you see God's favor in this? Can you see that? How God's always there for you? I mean, if you can't see it in your own life, can you see it in the life of Paul? If you can't see it in your life, can you just look up and see it in Paul's life? How God just keeps doing it, keeps showing up, kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and then make for the land. And the rest on planks and on pieces of the ship, and so it was that all were brought safely to land. After that, we were brought safely through. So, I just got to say this. Strength when you're stuck. You know how I get stuck? I just say this really briefly. When trials come, I get stuck in two different ways. One, I power up over that. I want control. You get that? You ever take control on a situation? Situation maybe you're not supposed to take control of, but you're like, oh, I've got this. We're going to do it, right? It doesn't go very well because dependence is the key, right? But then there's an opposite reaction. Over here, sometimes instead of powering over it, what do I do? I cower. I, I stop talking to my wife, right? Wrong. That's something to say. You know, like you just, you just internalize it or maybe you even run to comfort to a sin or something, right? Like it's so hard, I'm just gonna please myself right now. Sometimes I wanna be in control and make, my, make it happen. Sometimes I wanna run to comfort and just sin. What am I supposed to do? 
Stay in the strength that only God provides. Stay in the strength of the Holy Spirit. Don't try to control it. Let him control it. Don't try to leave it and run off to some sin. He's in control. Rest in that control. Do you see it? All right, now I hope these three things have been encouraging. Let me just wrap this up by saying this. God wants me to continue to face the challenge before me instead of trying to control the situation or instead of trying to take ease or comfort and running away. We need to continue to be faithful, full of faith. Do you see that in verse 25? That was the key. I have faith to believe that it will be exactly as God said. Do you have faith to believe that it will be exactly as God said? Do you have faith to believe that this word is true and that it is going to be exactly how God said, that Jesus Christ is coming back? And when he comes back, he's going to take those who have served him, take those who love his appearing, and he's going to say, well done. Do you believe that? If you do, then you want him to come back because you're going after that. Church, we need to be wanting him to come back. We need to be seeking his appearing. We need to live a life wanting him to come back because the word says he's coming back. And I'm going to tell you, after all of what we said today and after the storms of life, if you don't know that and you're not seeking Christ coming back, Today's a day of salvation, right? Roll up to somebody else in the church and say, I need to be saved. Just say that. I need to be saved. I want to be excited about Jesus coming back. I want to get my life in line with his word. How do I do that? God's word gives me confidence when I'm crushed or so I won't be crushed. Encouragement so that I won't be afraid. And strength so I'm not going to be stuck. And I need to hold on to these promises. So I'm going to ask you to take your Bible again in your hands as I pray. Hold on to it tight. Make a commitment to look up some verses today, to read the Word, to maybe go back to that special passage that's been something meaningful in your life. And God keeps bringing me back to this passage. And so get into the Word again this week. Let's pray. God, give us faith to believe all that you say, all that you've promised in your word. God, you wrote us a love letter, just special for us. Thank you. Thank you for the confidence and encouragement and strength that this love letter brings to us so that we might endure life's storms. This is life and breath to us. And we seek you again this week. And we seek you again today. And we seek you because you've said so much. Father, give us strength for the journey. Fill our hearts with confidence. Fill us with your Holy Spirit and send us out. In Jesus' name I pray.